was like a guy almost like on a couch explaining his problems to a shrink. It was unhinged. It was wild. I've just seen many, many untruthful things. And I'll tell you what else I see. I see tone. You know, the word tone. The tone is such hatred. I'm really not a bad person, by the way. On every front, we are going to work for the American people. I'm standing here today as your president, and I will never, ever disappoint you, believe me. It's time to make America great again. Join the movement. Caruso, the Neil A. Caruso Show, Show Podcast. Time to dream big. Informative, insightful, and valiant leadership. Telling it the way it is to make a difference. All right, it is Friday, the end of the week, the 17th of February 2017. Can you believe it? We're already in February. Um, through the middle of it. So uh, 2017 continues to roll along. We are a month in to the Trump presidency, and, um, well, a lot going on, a lot to talk about as we wrap up our second full week on the podcast. Um, A lot of great reviews from the podcast yesterday with the uh, Army uh, combat veteran, Jeffrey McQueen. So if you uh, didn't listen to that yet, that is on the Thursday podcast. Uh, We had a couple of exclusives this week. We had the combat veteran talking about his experience in the Army and and what veterans go through every day and what he has suffered through personally. So that has um, been uh, inspiring to listen to and how he continues to serve America. And we also talked about education, which we have a story – Later on, uh, it'll be a short podcast today. At least that's what my intent is. We'll see how much I talk (laughs) on the podcast because, you know, frankly, I I could uh, I could talk a lot. But um, (laughs) there was a a teacher we'll get into later um, who is indoctrinating and a parent called her out in the New York Post today. So we'll get into that. Um, But let me start off first. I'm telling you about what President Trump did. So he flew down to South Carolina today um, to go to Boeing, which he is in the midst of negotiations. He has said that he has already negotiated the price of the new Air Force One jet down $700 million, which would come out of our money, you and me, taxpayer dollars. He has already negotiated that down. Now, the final negotiations has not come in yet. In fact, he, he joked today, he said that the CEO of Boeing is, um, uh, is a great negotiator, one of, the, uh, one of the best negotiators that we have, folks. So um, he is in the midst of that. He's negotiating personally, which is unbelievable that we have a president who won't just say, you know, all right, that's the price of, of our jet or of you know the F-35s or whatever, um, our military jets. All right, that's the price we'll – you know, all right, fine, fork over the money. No, he does not want taxpayer dollars to be spent stupidly, to say it, um, put it simply. Um, he wants accountability, and he wants for our money to be spent properly. I mean, listen, you keep track of your personal finances, or at least you should, and you should know every dollar that you spend that comes out of your credit card account. 
So he doesn't want, he wants to run the, uh, you know how you run the country like a business? Well, it's simple. How about we keep track of every dollar that is spent and try to make uh, deals where we can to make sure that our money is not being sp spent frivolous, uh, frivolous, uh, frivolous, <laughs> I can't say the word, <laughs> that uh, people are not spending their money uh, unwisely. Frivolously um, is the word. Uh, it's Friday, folks. Um, so, as long as our money is not being spent in that manner, um, Trump is happy. So he's in the midst of negotiations. He said that he has brought the down $700 million in the midst of creating all these jobs. I'm going to go through the list again for you. But first, here is our president today in South Carolina. Uh, as he met and did uh, with the Boeing CEO, did a tour of Boeing and saw the new 787 uh, Dreamliner. It is called. Here is the president today on Friday. We're here today to celebrate American engineering and American manufacturing. This plane, as you know, was built right here in the great state of South Carolina. Our goal is a nation. Next door in North Carolina, Orville Wright was the first man to sail the skies in a very little airplane. It was so small that Orville's brother, Wilbur, could not join him on the flight. The flight lasted all of 12 seconds. That flight was a testament to the American spirit. Anywhere in the world, we have the greatest spirit. And you just look at what's going on today in our country. You look at what's happening with plants moving back into our country. All of a sudden, they're coming back. As your president, I'm going to do everything I can to unleash the power of the American spirit. We want products made in America, made by American hands. You probably saw the Keystone Pipeline I approved recently. And I'm getting ready to sign the bill. I said, where is the pipe made? And they told me, not here. We are going to fight for every last American job. Your plane is made of carbon fiber. And this airplane can fly for half a day before it touches the ground. Our country is all about making dreams come true. Over the last number of years, that hasn't been necessarily the case, but we're going to make it the case again. We turn vision into reality, and we will be doing a lot more of that in the months and years to come. I also want to say a word to all of the members of the armed forces. South Carolina has a long, very, very proud military tradition and history. We are going to fully rebuild our military, that our great service members have the tools, equipment, training, and resources they need to get the job done. We build a military might so great, and we are going to do that, that none will dare to challenge it. None. Right now, it's not that way. It will be that way very, very soon, believe me. Has built many important aircraft, including, as I said, the F-18 Super Hornet. On every front, we are going to work for the American people. I'm standing here today as your president, and I will never, ever disappoint you, believe me. I will not disappoint you. And much harder to leave I don't want companies leaving our country. 
We're not letting that happen anymore, folks. Believe me, there will be a very substantial penalty to be paid. Already, American industry is roaring back. And believe me, if we, not me, I'm a messenger, if we didn't have this victory, we wouldn't be even talking about it. We are going to lower taxes on American business so it's cheaper and easier to produce product and beautiful things like airplanes right here in America. We want products made by our workers in our factories, stamped with those four magnificent words, made in the USA. Ford, General Motors, Fiat Chrysler, just to name a very, very few, so many more already. They're keeping and bringing thousands of jobs back in our country. Because when American workers win, America as a country wins. Big League wins. And we are going to fight to get more jobs and better paying jobs for the loyal citizens of our country. Believe me. Has the bright future it deserves. And by the way, those communities are forgotten no longer. The election took care of that. I want to thank you, South Carolina. I want to thank the great people of South Carolina. God bless you, and God bless Boeing. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. And so some highlights of President Trump's uh, speech in South Carolina at the Boeing plant. Um, very encouraging, especially for his base. Um, but who is his base? You know, you always hear that in the media. Who's his base? Well, I would say hard workers. I'd say people who have seen their jobs left, whether because of automation or simply because the uh, the regulatory system and the uh, high taxes just did not um, did not uh, have jobs uh, saw jobs leave the country because of uh, the past eight years of of bad uh, business policies and you know companies had to had to seek jobs. Um, opportunity elsewhere and Americans were not first on the list but as you can see it is back to well made in the USA and you hear the rhetoric again um, and it's very smart for by President Trump America first so not only does he had did he have this on Friday but on Saturday <laughs> he is another um, he has actually a rally at five o'clock he'll be in Florida uh, near his Mar-a-Lago home and he's doing a um, it was organized by the campaign, the Trump campaign, to do a rally. And this works for a couple of reasons. Number one, it will be broadcast live. So it is an opportunity for him to get his uh, message out there, what he has done in the first month. But more importantly, it allows him to connect directly with the American people, the people that voted for him. And this works tremendously well uh, for his benefit. These rallies, people go there, they love him. They absolutely love him at these rallies. And, um, and so it would be interesting to see what the rhetoric is at the rally, what he focuses on. He did not mention the media in his uh, Boeing appearance today, but he did focus on jobs, on the economy. And listen, he like I said, he's negotiating every dollar for the american people it's the art of the deal it is and um and so that's where we're at right now but he mentioned the jobs that have come in so let's take a look at big league jobs again big league and 
I've had a list of about 16. I actually realized I missed a 17. Lockheed Martin, which um, is the biggest uh, single producer of our military jets, they're creating 1,800 jobs as a result of Trump wanting to, and what we need to, and we talked about that earlier this week, about upgrading our fighter jets, upgrading our military equipment. So Lockheed Martin's going to be a big part of that. Um, Intel and Delta were the most recent ones. Delta announced it will hire 25,000 jobs over the next five years. Intel investing $7 billion in innovation in an Arizona factory, creating 3,000 specialist positions, 10,000 support jobs. Amgen Pharma will add 1,600 jobs. Um, Toyota adding 400 American jobs to build more SUVs at their Indiana assembly plants. Um, General Motors investing $1 billion in U.S. factories this year, moving some parts of production from Mexico to the United States. It was previously handled by a supplier. Walmart will create 10,000 jobs in the U.S. in 2017. Amazon will create 100,000 jobs in the first year and a half of the Trump presidency. Alibaba Chief Executive Jack Ma with the President-elect, then-President-elect Trump, to discuss the creation of a million American jobs, specifically focusing on small business growth. Toyota will spend $10 billion in U.S. capital investments and will expand its U.S. plants over the next five years. Fiat Chrysler will spend a billion dollars in U.S. manufacturing, including modernizing plants in Michigan and Ohio, adding 2,000 new American jobs. Qualcomm and Apple will invest in SoftBank's new technology fund, which is called SoftBank Vision Fund, that is being used to create 50,000 American jobs. Um, Ford was uh, mentioned by President Trump today, canceled its $1.6 billion plan in Mexico, which will save 3,500 American jobs, and they will also create a new innovative center as expansion of its Flat Rock, Michigan plant, by investing $700 million in the U.S. and creating 700 American jobs. OneWeb, which is a new company, is creating 3,000 jobs in the U.S. That's associated with Masayoshi Sohn's guarantee from SoftBank to invest $50 billion in the U.S. to create 50,000 American jobs. And Carrier was the first big league jobs announcement. Big league! And that was to keep uh, 1,100 American jobs in the U.S. instead of sending it to Mexico. And so all of these announcements adds up to 1,816,700 jobs created and saved since November 8th and $69,700,000,000 invested in the United States since President Trump, now President Trump, was elected by the American people on November 8th, 2016. So, what does this all mean? Because no tax policies have been put in place yet. But what does this mean for Americans? It means that President Trump is keeping his promises and that a month in, he is not forgetting who voted him in. And the businesses see that he is the real deal. And he is going to ensure that jobs stay in the country and that they come back to the country, especially in places like Michigan, Wisconsin, cold country. He signed a regulation um, waiver executive order yesterday 
to allow coal miners to do their work without all this excess environmental regulations. So a month in, he has already had a lot of success. And so on Sunday's program, when we do our second Neil A. Cruiser show, Sunday live at 12 noon Eastern time, 9 a.m. Pacific time, on neilacruiser.com, a live streaming video show for an hour, 12 to 1 Eastern time, we are going to talk about the month, first month of President Trump. His successes, despite a vicious uphill battle against the media, against Democrats, and against the establishment. And that will be the topic that we will start off with. And if you have any comments, you can Skype us during the show. Skype is at Neil A. Caruso, as is all of my social media. And you can comment during the show. You can call in, and we'll take your calls and open up the dialogue. And we hope that you have some interesting things to say. Um, and so that will be Sunday. But President Trump keeping his promises. And at this point, where we are now is implementing them, and we need Congress. So more on that on Sunday, including when Obamacare may be repealed and when tax reform may be put in place. Now, move away from that. Obviously, that hits your pocketbook. So big league jobs, very important big uh, for the American people. I can <laughs> have some fun on uh, Friday. Uh, let's move to national security. Um, ICE, the U.S. Immigration Customs Enforcement, uh, has been criticized lately by the Democrats and the media um, with stories about these roundups and raids, which frankly aren't true. In fact, ICE tweeted out, you said, I had retweeted it, just came to mind just now as I'm uh, talking to you, that um, they tweeted uh, Throwback Thursday because they were getting so much criticism about these alleged, God forbid, Trump does, enforces the law raids. Um, and they did a throwback Thursday back to 2012 and said, well, you know, we actually did round up people. And, um, you know, it was Obama's orders. And even these, uh, these so-called raids, these, you know, enforcing of our immigration laws are... Just that. It's enforcing the laws that are on the books, and Obama actually had directed this order, uh, had signed this order, and um, President Trump is just enforcing it. So, um, in New York City, to give you an example, there's a list, and I will put this up on my website uh, probably tomorrow morning, of the undocumented, as they call them, illegal immigrant fugitives arrested last week. There's a list of all their names and what they did in the New York area. Um, so this list, which comes from law enforcement and published in uh, the local um, New York papers and, uh, and publications, um, let me tell you the people that were arrested. I'm sure you're interested. Uh, a 31-year-old El Salvador national with a criminal conviction for assault with a dangerous weapon in aid of racketeering and a self-admitted MS-13 gang member. He was arrested in New Hyde Park, New York. Now, didn't President Trump say something about gangs coming in? 
like the first day he ran. Um, yeah, I kind of remember that. Um, all right, let's continue on this list. A 49-year-old Jamaican national with a criminal conviction for first-degree sexual assault of a victim under the age of 11. A 60-year-old Mexican national with a uh, criminal convicted for first-degree sexual assault of a victim under the age of 11 and endangering the welfare of a child. A 23-year-old Guyana national with a conviction of rape. A 29-year-old Guatemala national convicted of rape. A 30-year-old El Salvador national with a rape conviction. A 51-year-old El Salvador national with a conviction of a sex offense against a child slash fondling. A 54-year-old Guinea, uh, Guinea national excuse me, uh, convicted of sexual assault, carnal abuse. A 38-year-old Ecuador national with the conviction of sexual assault, carnal abuse. A 43-year-old Mexican national with the same charge, sexual assault, carnal abuse. Uh, a 30-year-old Ecuador national convicted of sexual assault. A 35-year-old Mexican national with a sex offense. These are all convictions. 34-year-old from El Salvador, a sex offense conviction. That's just the first page. These are the people that were arrested and deported by ICE last week in New York City. Uh, all around the New York area, actually, actually, not just the city. A 30-year-old Honduras national with the conviction of assault. A 40-year-old Mexican national with an assault conviction. A 34-year-old El Salvador national with a conviction of endangering the welfare of a child. A 29-year-old Mexican national convicted of family neglect. A 30-year-old previously removed Mexican national convicted of robbery. He was arrested in Brooklyn and will be prosecuted federally by the U.S. Attorney's Office in New York for re-entry after, depo after deportation. And of course, he was granted sanctuary in New York City under the mayor, Bill de Blasio, who is up for re-election. A 56-year-old El Salvador national convicted of robbery, 25-year-old from Trinidad, robbery, 31-year-old Honduras national convicted of larceny, 27-year-old El Salvador national with the conviction of burglary, a 44-year-old Colombia national with the conviction of conspiracy to distribute cocaine. And cocaine does not come from the United States. A 41-year-old previously removed Dominican Republic national convicted of cocaine sale. He was arrested in the Bronx and will be prosecuted. A 46-year-old El Salvador national with a a cocaine possession conviction. A 38-year-old previously removed Dominican Republic national convicted of drug possession was arrested and will be prosecuted for re-entry after deportation. You have a 44-year-old previously removed from El Salvador with a conviction of police obstruction. He will be prosecuted as well for re-entry after deportation. A 40-year-old Mexican national with a conviction of invasion of privacy was arrested in the Bronx and will be prosecuted federally for re-entry. 35-year-old previously removed El Salvador national convicted of DUI will be prosecuted federally. A 54-year-old Guatemalan national with convictions of DUI and a human rights violator. A 26-year-old previously removed Guatemalan national with a conviction for DUI, was arrested. 
28-year-old Guatemalan national convicted of driving under the influence was arrested in Brewster, New York. A 36-year-old El Salvador national with a conviction of DUI and was arrested in New York. We continue on the list. A 40-year-old El Salvador national conviction of DUI. Another DUI for a 52-year-old Mexican national. Uh, DUIs for another El Salvador national, a 41-year-old, a 36-year-old DUI, and a 57-year-old Trinidad national with a DUI. You have a fugitive from Honduras, 35 years old, with a final order of removal, was arrested. A 25-year-old Ecuador national, who is considered a fugitive, with the final offer of removal. And a 33-year-old previously removed Mexican national will be prosecuted federally for re-entry. And that is a list of just in New York, the people, criminal, illegal aliens, detained, arrested, and deported, or being prosecuted under United States law that is in place this past week. Now, let me ask you something. These people, I just read off all of the convictions, a lot of them sex crimes, a lot of them rape, um, you have sexual assaults, you have uh, robbery, larceny, vicious crimes. They come in, they're granted sanctuary. And we may know who these people are. Obviously, we do if we have this list right now. The ones I'm worried about are the people that we do not know and that are, are in here either given sanctuary by a city or a college campus. And so those are the ones that keep me up at night personally. But knowing this, these criminal illegal aliens, if you think that any of these people should stay, a self-admitted MS-13 gang member, if you think any of these people should be in our society, in the United States, even though they are not a citizen, let me know. I doubt that it's any of you. And if you think that they should be here, that we need to give them a second chance. After they come in here illegally, whether it's to seek a better life or whatever, or to just make money off of drugs, they come in here, maybe with good intentions, but ruin that by committing a crime. If you think that they should stay in, well, let me ask you something. Would you open up your house to these criminal illegal aliens? Give them a key and give them a room in your house. No, I didn't think so either. So these are criminal aliens. I'm pro-immigration. I am not pro-illegal immigration or criminal behavior. And we, if we know who these people are, they should be out of here. And I don't know, to me that's common sense. You know, you commit a crime, you do the time. So, if you have a differing opinion, let me know. I'd be curious. Um, Alright, so, to wrap up our second full week on the podcast, uh, let me get into more, well, it's not really that lighter news, but uh, let me get into this. We talked about indoctrination on college campuses on Wednesday with an NYU professor who has seen it firsthand. We talked about uh, how if you have a differing opinion on a college campus, you are oftentimes labeled a bigot. And these are um, very well sourced <laughs> and very personal. And they shut up free speech on college campuses. 
They have events that you're forced to attend. And that's just college. And I told you that I know of stories that this happens at the younger levels. And, of course, you're saying, well, Neil, I mean, how can you prove that? Well, I mean, I know stories, uh, personal stories that I can't mention uh, names. But this story is reported by the New York Post. And I figured I'll tell you this. A Staten Island teacher, Staten Island, New York, um, slipped uh, in an anti-President Trump question on a middle school homework assignment and then defended it to outrage parents as freedom of speech. So, an 11-year-old girl at IS-75 in New York brought home her homework and could not figure two questions out. All right, so let me read you these two questions. It was questions number eight and nine. Question number eight on the homework. President Trump speaks very superior and blank manner, insulting many people. He needs to be more blank so that the American people respect and admire him. Number nine read, Barack Obama said a blank when he became the first African-American president. The teacher was looking for, I'll tell you what she was looking for. I mean, I would probably fill in the blanks a little differently than what she expected. This is a vocabulary teacher, by the way. 46-year-old middle school teacher in New York. How nice that she's teaching our children. She was looking for President Trump speaks in a very superior and haughty manner. Insulting many people. He needs to be more humble so that the American people respect and admire him. This is to an 11-year-old class. The question after that was supposed to be Barack Obama set a precedent when he became the first African-American president. Now, maybe some of you are saying no big deal. I say baloney. This is clear indoctrination to an 11-year-old. Subtle? I don't think it's that subtle. So the parent who saw this was asked to give uh, his child's help, wrote it on the bottom of the homework as he told his daughter to keep it blank. He wrote, please keep your political views to yourself and do not try to influence my children on them. Thank you. The daughter's grade for the assignment after leaving those two questions blank was an 85. The parent blasted this as vindictive for taking 15 points off. Uh, the gentleman, uh, the parent, said, This woman is forcing my child to put words on a piece of paper describing our president in a disparaging manner. Her political opinion should be left at home. I agree. Now, the teacher wrote an email in response to him and said, Firstly, I do not believe I was expressing a political view at all on my vocabulary sheet. My reference to President Trump was about his personality traits rather than his ability as president. The media is nonstop on very similar references. This is considered freedom of speech, and I feel the same right as they do. Oh, great. You're citing the media who, as we talked about yesterday, has been abusively biased towards Donald Trump. And some of the clips in the intro tonight. That, oh, well, the media, you know, they're nonstop. I mean, they are apoplectic over President Trump. 
and they believe he's unhinged. And, you know, well, Donald Trump is off the rails, and he is not presidential. Well, this, uh, the principal at IS-75 in New York spoke to the teacher, who makes $102,000 a year, in case you're wondering, um, and a disciplinary letter, big whoop, was put in the teacher's file, so the parent has called it basically nothing. Another te uh, parent weighed in, saying, if you're teaching the kids vocabulary, then stick to that. You shouldn't be expressing your opinion about the president during class. I don't care where you stand politically. To try to influence young minds, when you have all this, you know, you're a teacher. You have power in the classroom. You should not, and I repeat, you should not be using or making a lesson that forces kids to look at certain people in a negative context when that is highly subjective. Because let me tell you flat out, I look at this question, President Trump speaks in a very superior and blank manner. Uh, professional, um, you know, like this is very subjective. This is not, uh, first of all, this is a poor lesson because it's poor education. This is a subjective question. Superior and... I mean, you know, superb manner. He needs to be more blank so the American people respect and admire him. How about the people who are rioting and throwing rocks at police and setting the campuses on fire across the country? How about they get locked up? I don't respect those people who do that. I don't respect the people who call others bigots when they're clearly not. I don't respect those who do not respect our law enforcement. And then, you know, the fawning over President Obama. Uh, you know, he set a precedent. By the way, this is a, a poor use of vocab. <laughs> I should be teaching this. Okay, setting a precedent is a, is a legal term. Um, if you're teaching the Supreme Court that a ruling sets a precedent, a uh, lower court ruling sets a precedent for future case law. Obama did not set a precedent when he became the first African-American president. He made history. He didn't set a precedent. That didn't, doesn't mean that, oh my God, because we had an African-American teacher, uh, president, excuse me, that we are, that it sets a precedent that we can have one. No, we always could. And guess what? We could always have a woman president too. You know, if she gets voted in by the American people. If she's, the right person chosen by the people. So, you know, we, we end on, on a note where we are just talking about our country. And frankly, some people need to move on and get over it. Um, again, President Trump will speak at a rally tomorrow. We have the show on Sunday where we will talk about the first month and this uphill battle that ensues, whether it be in the educational classroom or... In the media, this uphill battle that he faces every day, well, we'll talk about that on Sunday and whether um, he will uh, he will continue to put his policies forth. Um, will he have Congress's support? We'll get into all of that. So Sunday, 12 noon, Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time, we will talk to you on the Neil A. Caruso Show. 
on neilacurso.com. We stream live from YouTube. On to neilacurso.com slash the Neil A. Curso Show. So check us out. Sunday will be our second show at 12 noon Eastern Time. Uh, and we will talk about everything uh, that you have to know about the week and uh, set you up for a new week as well. And we'll take your Skype calls and we'll get your input on everything that's going on across the country. So feel free to uh, join in on the conversation. So we end our second full week on the Neil A. Cruiser Show podcast. We will make America great again. Big league. And that wraps it up. So we will talk to you Sunday afternoon, and then Monday we'll be back on the podcast with another spectacular week, I guarantee it. I'm Neil A. Caruso. We'll talk to you then, everybody. So till then, God bless you. God bless America. Talk to you on Sunday afternoon.